0: years to freedom podcast. You're listening to Jen. I have the beautiful Brittany here
1: with me today. How, How you, you doing? Jen? I'm good. How are you, Jen? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, even though you just fell, I just <laughs> hit my arm. I did just take a digger and I really wish the cameras got it. <laughs>
0: right. So uh, we are in Reno right now and it is snowing. And there's ice everywhere. And Brittany just slipped and fell coming into the podcast studio.
1: (laughs) I did. It was a good
0: one. I was embarrassed,
1: but nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. (laughs) But but we all see the (laughs) (laughs) aftermath
0: because her entire backside is soaking wet. So I'm sorry. I hope you're doing okay. I'll survive it. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, We are breaking this first podcast of 2023. Yeah. New podcast. Me and you, we're doing our thing. I'm loving it too. So. I mean, I guess 2023, everybody's like, new year, new me. How do you feel about that?
1: You know, I've I've had years like that. I don't think my head's right there this year of like, new year, new me. Um, I'm not really like trying to like revamp who I am or anything. I just want health and wealth this year. And I just want to put my energy towards those sort of things. So I wouldn't say new year, new me, kind of gimmicky and overdone. I completely agree. So I said,
0: because we started a challenge Mm -hmm. and I'm sticking through it and I'm not a happy camper right now, but I'm sticking through it. And I'm not going to say new year, new me. I'm going to say new year, better me.
1: Totally. Because
0: I, I already like who I am as a person. I'm very happy, content with where I am in my life right now. Do I want more? I think we all always strive for more. But right now, my focus is to be a better version of myself. So that's where I'm at. That's where hopefully this year will lead me: health, wealth, all of that. Um, I definitely just want—I just want the best for me and my kids. Really, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, so
1: that's what's important in life.
0: It is. And speaking of kids, I mean, we're gonna roll this back because last time we met, we kind of talked about what we were doing it was right before christmas what we were going to do for the holidays super excited you were super excited i was super excited veda's first christmas my boys being super expensive for christmas (laughs) because they're teenagers now but then it all changed quickly this year didn't it or i guess last year
1: it did it's just really crazy like how life truly can change in the blink of an eye and you have like all these like plans or ideas of things or like I'm one who I always like think I know how things are gonna go down, and and you know Christmas just didn't go down that way for us. And um, well, let's talk about that. Yeah, Uh, my little baby Veda, she had a fever right before um, the holidays, uh, Thursday before Christmas, and um, we were just monitoring at home. It was really low grade. Um, I thought it was a teething fever because it didn't come with any symptoms or anything, and. You know we were just staying home, trying to do all the things, to keep her comfortable um and she woke up in the middle of the night for her feeding, and she was extremely upset and we checked her temperature again, and it was high it was one o two, and I kept telling brad i'm gonna go, I think I'm gonna go take her in and he's like, "You're don't do that, we're gonna be like those typical first time parents like we can get through this. We got this, like trying to you know calm my nerves about it all, and she was still eating and uh you know, producing diapers and all that. And she didn't have any other symptoms. So we were just trying to fight through the fever part of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got her comfortable. We fell asleep on the couch. Before we fell asleep, I thought to myself, if she's still this upset when we wake up, I'm just going to take her in uh, when the sun comes up. And so about six, I moved to my bed with her. And um, at eight, when we woke up, uh, she started to open her eyes. I noticed she like wasn't getting her vision like there. They were kind of crossing and um, she opened them up a little bit more and I realized she was in like a full blown seizure. And they went from like crossing in the middle to going different directions, different angles and doing this like rainbow thing. And I'd I would panicked, called Brad because he was in the living room and ran, ran her to her changing table. And she was like lifeless almost like most seizures. You think you like tense up. Mm-hmm. and um hers she was just limp she had no strength no muscle anything and it was truly terrifying Length thankfully um my friend ralph works for uh remsa and he had told me once that um infants get fe- uh, seizures really easy from a fever and so i uh, immediately assumed that's exactly what it was so i called 911 there really wasn't like time for me to process if i could take her or not um and so the paramedics came, and they took her and I out um, in the ambulance. And Hold on really quick. How long did that take for them to get there? It took eight minutes between the time I called and the time I was getting into the ambulance. And was she still seizing at that moment? She was. Um, like I said, she wasn't um, tensing up. And so the paramedics had thought that maybe the seizure had ended. Um, but her the, the uh, focal seizure, is what they call it, was completely still going on. And she was still just as limp. And so... Um, they had given her some seizure medicine up her nose. Um, I think that just kind of calmed her. I think it's like there's some sort of like pain medication in there that just mm-hmm. relaxes you um, because she was not as like scared or, you know, as she f- seemed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we went to one hospital. They asked us where we wanted to go. They suggested a hospital because RSV and all that is so inundated right now that we might not get seen immediately. So we went to the hospital that they suggested and. um that's a new hospital and they just weren't really prepared for a, a infant type of thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um and we were there all day with not really a lot of answers and nobody was really taking us seriously that like this wasn't our baby. This she wasn't looking at us. She wasn't like there. She was there, but she just wasn't there. Did she still have a fever? Was she still having a mm-hmm. fever? In this in the hospital it was one oh three point eight and um they obviously gave infant Tylenol and um, they swabbed her for all the things to check what it could be. Um, which, was, which were what? What co- were they looking for? RSV, COVID, and flu. And all of them came back negative. And so they're like, well, that's not what's causing her fever. We're going to try and get some blood and um, we're going to try and we have to give her a catheter. Um, and so they started that process. Unfortunately both were unsuccessful. Again, because I think they're not very comfortable working on that little of a baby. Um they, Do they have a NIC unit there? Not yet. It's not okay. oh they have a NIC unit, but they don't have a pick pe- pediatric ICU or anything like that. Okay. Um uh so the emergency room just wasn't prepared, I think. And they couldn't get her blood, they couldn't find a vein. Um, they tried that poor catheter so many times and they couldn't get it. Um they finally did get a little bit of a urine sample that they tested. Um, but nothing really was coming back. They said maybe a UTI, um, uh, but the seizure was still happening, and it was just beyond frustrating and scary for us because we don't, we couldn't fix it, and no, nothing was changing. And from what I had recalled, se- fever seizures they kind of are like a fifteen minute thing, and then they go away. And so it was traumatic for us because we just didn't know if she was ever going to be the same again. Um, finally, a, a NICU nurse came down and. This was the hospital that we delivered Veda at, and she happened to be the NICU nurse that we had when Veda was born. She wasn't breathing correctly, and Mm -hmm. um, so we went to the NICU. And so when I saw this lady, I just was so grateful because I was like, you know us. And she was probably sees hundreds of uh, moms and dads, so I Mm -hmm. don't know if she thought immediately, but I kind of refreshed her memory. And she she just kind of pulled me aside and said, if you don't feel... Like, this is your baby and nobody's listening to you. Um, You need to trust your mom instincts and you need to go somewhere that can help her. And unfortunately, the things you're telling me, we don't have a pediatric um, neurology at this hospital. So you need to go to this other hospital. Um, So we, the emergency room doctor came back and um we were just kind of going down the list of things. And I was just trying to rack my brain of everything. And I asked him if it could be meningitis. And he said... Oh, well, yeah, it could be meningitis. So we should probably get her admitted. We should probably get a blood culture going. And um, as that co- blood culture goes, we might need to start a spinal tap. And I thought that that was pretty extreme considering I and, brought it up. And terrifying at such a small, hugely, such a small human. Hugely terrifying. Okay. Um, my best friend's dad died of spinal meningitis. And I just know how much she tells me like the, the process of that um, spinal tap is extreme. On a grown man, so I would. That's the first thing I thought about. Um, so you know, I was just really questioning, like, what's the right thing to do? And then that nurse told me that, and so I just told my husband and my family, we, I, we got to go to the renowned children's hospital. And and again, the reason why we didn't go there the first time is because the paramedics suggested because of RSV it might be
0: packed. busy, mm-hmm.
1: and so um, we checked ourselves out of that hospital against medical advice. All of this was also really. Cu- quick at this moment and still traumatic because we're just trying to like rack our brains how to save our child um so we got her over to the children's hospital um i called my pediatrician my pediatrician sent in emergency orders which he's not even allowed to do um which we found out later um to admit her because he could just hear the fear in my voice and the panic and the fact that this had been nine hours since the ambulance had brought us in um, and so we got to the hospital, and I showed them my um emergency admittal from my doctor um and Even though like that really didn't get us in, it did help. They just seemed to like wanna try to help us as m- they could just probably see the fear. I was just like
0: mm-hmm.
1: beyond myself besides myself um so that hospital um immediately they're just equipped to help little babies and little kids and all that, and so they were able to get her blood um they were Able to do um, another urine test and actually get urine that was good enough. Um, and they set us up for a CT scan. Um, and then the one doctor, he's like, OK, I'm not going to be able. You're telling me that this is not your child. And we've checked all these things. Her blood came back good. She is showing a UTI, but she's still going through this seizure. This seizure lasted like 30 hours. Um, so I can't let it's you crazy. go home. crazy. Crazy. It's crazy to me. And, you know, when we would, like, hold her, because that's all we could do, because we just wanted to snuggle her, her head was just limp and falling to the side and forward and back. She had no strength. Her eyes are going in every direction, and she's hysterical.
0: Our our listeners are not even going to know, but, I mean, she was a healthy child going into this like strong already kind of trying to stand up like could move around could Mm -hmm. sit up on her own all of that
1: every milestone beyond us we were just so blown away at like this little girl and so this was crazy to see um i mean she was floppier than an infant i felt you know or like a newborn um so that doctor said i have to take this seriously i'm not gonna be able to go home and sleep tonight if you guys are telling me like this there's still something you know um, so they did admit us that night, um, which was going into Christmas Eve, um, and we did CT scan. We did a brain scan. They had everything all over. Um, they started pumping her full of antibiotics for the UTI, um, and the next morning they, when they came to do the or before they came to do the brain scan, my husband was able to come back, and I just went for a walk for a minute, and by the time to breathe. just to breathe, huh, you just have to. I was in this. Pl- I just, I had to. Yeah. Um. And so I just walked down, got some coffee. I called my aunt, and she just like, don't say anything right now. I just need you to listen. And she just gave me all this strength through words. You know, she couldn't be there physically. Um. Of just like all the positiveness. I need to think for Veda, and I need to just get my head out of the worst case scenario. Because as a mom, I feel like it's you're failing. Yeah. I I couldn't save her. There's nothing yep. and. Yeah. This is all new to me, you mm-hmm. know, get emotional, <laughs> but it really, it's, okay. it's, it's like ugh, the worst to be in this situation. And so I got her a balloon cause she, I, she likes balloons. And so I brought it back and when I brought it back, she made eye contact with me and it was just like the most special moment. Cause I just didn't think that that was going to happen again. And my husband was like, she's, she's been doing good. I've been talking to her. She'll, she'll, her eyes will kind of bounce around and then they'll catch mine again. And then they'll bounce around and they'll catch mine and." So um, we just held on to that, that like that was the first real, real like um, change that we had seen yet. Um, and it had been well over 24 hours since we had went by ambulance. Um, and they came in, they did the CT scan, they did the brain scan. And um, the neurologist came back and he's like, um, you guys should be excited about this. There's nothing wrong with her brain like at all. Um, her CT's good. Her brain scans good. Um so we don't think we have anything to worry about neuro- 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 <laughs> Neurological <laughs> neurologically. Neurological. ways. <laughs> this is um, why we do hair. <laughs> <laughs> um so that was so refreshing to hear because at a point when we were looking at her it just didn't make sense how she could ever be normal again because it wasn't ending. Mm-hmm. Um so they pumped her with one more round of antibiotics, and I started to notice now after each round of antibiotics, we'd see some sort of little increase in her, whether it be the night before, like she would soothe by our voice a little bit or then like catching our eyes um, so finally, the pediatrician and the neurologist came back in and they said, "You know, we really believe that this is a febrile seizure, which are common um when your um temperature spikes too quickly, it throws your Um, central nervous system through like a loop basically and your those little bodies just aren't able capable of managing it like a human is uh or like an adult is um so um they call her hers a complex febrile complex focal febrile seizure because of the uh, longevity of it and because hers was mostly her focal her eyes um and they they Say that you know they have reason to believe that she's going to make a full recovery. It might just take some time because she has to get that strength back. Her nervous system has to get back. She has to get that bacteria out of her body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was just so scary because one, I I could have never known myself that she had a UTI. I've never experienced one. Um, there's no way to test it home when she doesn't have other symptoms. It wouldn't have been my. But well, she's thought. a baby. It's not like she's saying, "Exactly, mom, it hurts when I yeah, go body. Exactly. So, um, they just suggested that we um treat every fever like a serious major fever um so I've gotten myself equipped to be able to manage all that in the future. I hope there there's not one for a long while. um Christmas Eve, we got discharged um thankfully. We have amazing friends, you guys here, that you know brought us dinner because we just weren't even prepared at that point for that. Mm-hmm. Um, my in-laws were there the whole step of the way. They really were um, strength for Brad and I, this being our first kid, to mm-hmm. even wrap our head around what was going on. Um, but all of it was just so different than I imagined because she was sitting up. She was almost standing. She All of her toys we got her were all these toys that promoted – you know 6 to 12 months worth of milestones and um she definitely regressed about 2 months um and far as far as like her milestones um she's still not sitting up quite yet um she's much stronger with her head i will say i'm grateful for every improvement we've seen um her legs still aren't as strong um but we did do a follow up with our regular doctor and he was s- so helpful it's that Sierra wellness that i love and um he said from a medical standpoint he expects a full recovery um from a parent standpoint he understands why we're still so concerned and the trauma that we went through mm-hmm. um because this isn't our normal baby that we had um <clears throat> but it just takes time and we just have to trust the process and trust the strength and um i can only imagine what a seizure does to anybody so let alone a 5 month old that doesn't have that strength mm-hmm. you know that isn't equipped for all that so it was terrifying. we had a lot of lessons in parenting and nurturing and taking care of a human life over Christmas, so it definitely it definitely wasn't what we expected as far as Veda's first Christmas that I was so excited for, but I will say I was so excited to be home with her with my husband with my family um on christmas on Christmas, and that was the ultimate gift and it kind of took I was already stressed about gifts itself, and really my ultimate gift in life is my daughter being healthy and that's Mm -hmm. my number one yeah so that's i got that gift and that was my christmas (laughs) well we have had a handful of conversations about
0: this um i had the pleasure of having lunch with you last week which was like five days after you guys got home um you me and our girlfriend Kristen, we all went out to lunch and i thought you were going to want to cancel it just because i've been there like Mm -hmm. i've been there so there's two different stories i'm going to tell right now um, uh, the first one's going to be about seizures because that's what this is really about. But when we were at lunch, you were telling me like how like wobbly she is and like kind of like just loose and mm-hmm. not strong <clears> and all of that. And I'm trying to explain to you because of everything that I had to go through with David, the last year that he was alive, seizures started happening to us. Now they progressed And would happen more frequently towards the end but the first time it happened i panicked i didn't know what to do i didn't even know it was a seizure you know and he's in bed with me and it's like the whole bed is shaking and freaking out and every single time every single time i called 911 um and they came and he like by the time he was coming to out of the seizure the paramedics everybody was already there And he was on dialysis at that point. So he's hooked up to this giant machine and they're trying to. And David, when he's coming to, has no idea what's happening. And all of a sudden there's seven people around him that he doesn't know that are poking him and prodding him and trying to get him to calm down. And he's just getting fully upset because he doesn't understand what's happening. Well, it took that first one, I would say it took half a day until he started to really come around again. And this seizure, I would say, lasted probably just a couple minutes. Now. When I say come back around, he wasn't so foggy. He wasn't um, his his words were like more articulate and put together full sentences, things like that, like all becoming normal. Well, then like a day later, his whole body hurts. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was trying to explain Mm -hmm. to you. Right. So like she's weak and she's kind of floppy because she just went through this seizure right Mm -hmm. where it's that's her whole body even Mm -hmm. though it was her focal thing Mm -hmm. like it's affecting her whole body her whole nervous system right and every time it happened with david like i would see this like this i I shouldn't say progression because it's not like he got better but progression of these seizures would hurt his body more and more Mm -hmm. and i was trying to explain to you like it's like working out right and you have leg day you go and you have leg day, and that day you're fine. The day after you're a little sore. That second day is terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Like your legs hurt so bad. You could barely move. You feel like you're a hundred years old. So that's how I explain these seizures because it affects your body like that. And you hurt, you shake so bad, and your tightness of your body is like so strong and holding on that when it finally lets go, it's like full-on leg day, right? Mm-hmm. For your whole body. Like, it's going to take a minute for that to bounce back to be normal. It's Mm -hmm. going to go through a weakness stage. It's going to go through a painful stage. And then you're going to have your recovery stage. So I was trying to express that to you that day at lunch. Things I didn't want to talk to you about. Because I knew you were in a really fragile state about it. Right? Mm -hmm. So there were certain subjects I didn't want to talk. Because as that year progressed with David, his seizures Became more frequent and every single time would do more damage mm-hmm. to the point where the day the last seizure that he had at the house, he was seizing so hard. It was 28 I minutes, remember. 28 minutes until nine one one took him away like they thought that they could just like give him some medication and it was like that bad to where they took him away. Went all the way to the same hospital, right? Mm -hmm. Which I love Renown. Mm -hmm. Like, I love Renown. I think that is by far the most well-equipped hospital that we have in northern Nevada. Nevada. Mm -hmm. And they have the best doctors that all work there. And they have the best equipment and the best nurses. Like, I fully support Renown. But that seizure went from my couch, half an hour, 20-minute ambulance ride, And another two hours in the hospital Mm. before he finally stopped seizing. David never bounced back from that one. And that's the one thing I didn't want to mention because you never want to give a parent who's already struggling, right? With Mm -hmm. all kinds of things are going through your head, life choices, things you maybe did, you know, while you were pregnant. Let's Mm -hmm. say you had a glass of wine Mm -hmm. and maybe that was like, you think the worst, right? Because it's, Because it's your property that you produced Mm -hmm. and it is your job to keep safe at all times. And when something goes wrong, you take the heat of it. You take the blunt of it. Mm -hmm. You take it wholeheartedly, Mm -hmm. you know, like the worst you possibly could feel is Mm -hmm. how you felt in those moments. Yep. Right. Yep. So again, didn't want to tell you that last seizure because he seized for so long and it wasn't like her. Seizures where it's just her eyes. It was his whole body, like mm-hmm. his whole body shaking and be moving.
1: Traumatizing every time
0: your family saw it. Every single time. Every single time. Mm-hmm. To the point where he gets admitted into the seizures. Finally, stop the sie- That seizure finally stopped. He gets admitted to intensive care. He's on a ventilator in a medically induced coma. And until his body would start to recover and a week went by before he woke up. Mm -hmm. Right. And he woke up and he was able to stand up. But did I have David back? Absolutely not. Right. He was so slow. His motor skills were so slow. Like his, it was like, almost like his brain was fried and i didn't want to have that conversation with you because that's exactly what i thought was happened to her exactly i didn't want to have that conversation i wanted to see how it progressed all of that Mm -hmm. but david never bounced back after that Mm -hmm. after that major seizure now they could never tell us why he was having seizures i mean he had a book Mm -hmm. of things wrong with him he Mm -hmm. had a freaking christmas list Mm -hmm. of medication that he had to take on a regular basis So he never bounced back from that now he was in the hospital three weeks altogether one week fully um in, in intubated mm-hmm, right the then he woke up there was a week of him kind of starting to slowly move again walk around but when he talked he was very like slow i, I just and... re- i remember these
1: conversations with you where when we would check in and you would just say like it's not the David I know, you yeah. know. It's and towards the end of that
0: second week, the entire hospital's talking about sending him home with me. And in my head, I'm like, "Are you? What? This is. I remember you. What saying, am I gonna do? I cannot. I care cannot do this. this. I'm not a nurse. I am not exactly. I'm not a nurse. I don't know how. And now because they wanted to put that permanent ventilator in him in case it happened again, and I'm like, "You guys are nuts. You guys are nuts." And then he had another seizure, which turned into heart failure, which turned into him having a heart attack. Right. And then back on the ventilator, back in that medically induced coma. And, and he just never bounced back.
1: Right.
0: So. Seeing what that did to his body, I didn't want to have that conversation with you, but know that I understand. The progress that she's going through right now, I saw I saw in mm-hmm. a more healthy version of david mm-hmm. okay i saw him having a regular seizure and then it affecting him for a couple days maybe the next one the next seizure was stronger and it affected him a week mm-hmm. the next one was a little bit stronger it affected him 10 days right. like all of that right yep. but the doctors could never tell me one why he was having seizures or two like it they couldn't predict him like mm-hmm. you can't predict stuff like this mm-hmm. he never had fevers he never had This is before COVID and before any of that. And I think about all that kind of stuff now. Like, David wouldn't have survived COVID. Right? Absolutely. He wouldn't have survived COVID at all. He would have gotten sick and he would have been done. Um, David wouldn't have survived any of this stuff that's going on that our healthy immune systems can easily bounce back from. Mm -hmm. But know that... It did take a toll on his body, but his body would bounce back from it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just this eye seizure. It was his full body. Mm-hmm. So me trying to explain to you the feeling that I think, again, not a doctor, not a nurse, never spent a day in medical school. But for 17 years, I was part of the medical field absolutely, because of my husband. Yep. So just my perspective on things. I was hoping I could kind of warm your heart a little bit and give you a little bit of ease with those kind of things like think about it like leg day mm-hmm. right no, that's you... like my big thing 100 think about it like leg day you worked out really hard you're not going to feel it for a couple of days she's getting better mm-hmm. she's getting stronger
1: mm-hmm. right
0: which is going to happen
1: Yep.
0: it takes kids a minute but kids bounce back
1: Yep.
0: to where I'm going to go with my second story just about where Veda is she's Six months? On the 12th, yeah. Okay. So my boys were four months old and they were two months early. So they were practically newborns. I'm at home. Um, And this is when I lived in Oregon. I'm at home and the both boys, I mean, clearly they shared a room, but two separate cribs. My mom just happened to be visiting at that time. And the babies woke up. I was cooking dinner. Babies woke up and David went to go get them. And all I heard was a scream for my name. And I come flying around the corner and Caden's on the ground and David's holding Gavin. He's like, I dropped him. And I'm like, what? He's like, I dropped him. And I'm like, from where? He's like, literally, and my husband was five foot ten from standing up with his hand at his chest, dropped practically a two month old baby, even though he was four months old. Again, they were early straight onto the ground and i can't tell you i remember it so clearly i don't know how i got through it like i really when i really think about it i don't know how i got through it mm-hmm. because i just picked him up mm-hmm. and i'm like okay we're going to the hospital he As dropped kaden com- C- he, he okay picked him up put him in the car seat david is what? david can't even move like he can't speak like
1: especially when you know you might have hurt them that has right? to be hardy- hard. heart my yeah.
0: mom's like i got Gavin. Go to the emergency room. I'm like, it was like I was high, like literally, like I was just like, okay, we're leaving. Let me pick up the car seat, put it in the car. David drove. I'm like kind of shaking Caden's foot the whole entire time because I was afraid he might have had a concussion. Mm -hmm. Didn't want him to fall asleep. He was starting to doze. David, we lived literally right around the corner from the hospital. Thank God. Yeah. Which was so convenient for my life. Like, I, know. I hate to be like, that was a convenient factor, but it really was. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it's like, it was like six blocks away from my house. We get in. Wa- David drops me off at the front. I pick up the um, car seat. I walk into the front desk. He goes and parks the car. And the lady just looks at me and I'm like, my husband dropped my baby. And they were like, what? Where's your husband? I'm like, He's parking the car. They're like, is every? And I'm like, I don't know like that's why we're but, here yeah. and we get put back into the emergency room um they take us back right away they're checking on kaden and david's sitting there white as a ghost like he threw up in the parking lot david did mm-hmm. not kaden yeah he threw up in the parking lot because he was so sick to his stomach and me i was so cool and collective like i was like Hey, okay, what do we do? Mm-hmm. What's next? Mm-hmm. Like this person came and talked to us. They took him for a CAT scan right away. Sure enough, he cracked his skull. Mm-hmm. So he had a, um, I forget what kind of fracture, but it was a tiny fracture on his skull. And um, there was no swelling. There was a little bit of bleeding underneath that fat fracture. But they did another one the next day. They admitted him right away. Right. And I stayed. David went Oh, David stayed, I think, for a little bit. But I stayed in the room with Caden. Um, they did another scan not too long after that. Um, the bleeding had stopped. So we were doing better. Um, and I just had to stay in the hospital until he could hold down flu- fluids because he did have a concussion. Mm-hmm. He had a major concussion. And he every time he ate, he threw up. So we just had to have him in there until he could hold his fluids down. Now, in my mind, did everything wrong? Like, I might have been cool. Like, cool as fuck. Mm -hmm. we were in the hospital everything going on i could handle my composure in my head everything that i did as a parent was going through my head that i was doing wrong i can everything that i had done up into that point in my life my whole life Mm -hmm. is going through my head Mm -hmm. of me thinking of where i did wrong because i'm a firm believer in karma and I feel like when you do things, you put that energy out there, it comes back. What did I do wrong in my life? What did I like for me to go through this? Now, was I still cool? Super cool with all the nurses, all the doctors. This is the one thing. And I don't know if this happened to you when you were in the hospital, but this is the one thing that happened to me is that every single nurse, when they found out what was what had happened, we're still in the emergency room. So we're not admitted yet. Every single nurse who had a story, and there was like eight of them, mm-hmm. would come and tell us their stories of their kids getting dropped on their head, or like serious situations of their babies. own kids, mm-hmm. like of about how how it happens. Mm-hmm. Now the doctor, the neurologist that came in after they did the CAT scan when we were still in the emergency room, the neurologist, um, said looked at david and here's david literally white as a ghost like he was almost green Mm -hmm. looked at david and he's like shit happens man Mm -hmm. like do you need to not be killing your kids gonna be fine Mm -hmm. like we're already going on the path of we're just gonna kind of keep an eye on this make sure things don't progress make sure there there's no like major damage that's gonna affect him in the long run but he literally looked at david and told him shit happens right shit happens He's like, I got five kids. I've dropped every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Like, and that was to me so heartwarming that the nurses and the doctors, they all wanted to make make you feel comfortable because they know they know that you're killing yourself inside. Like you really are taking this personal of what you did wrong, where you did it wrong, what life choices you made at this point. They know because they've all been there. So they're just trying to let your mind ease a little bit Mm -hmm. that things like this, accidents happen, sicknesses happen. Mm -hmm. Things happen. Mm -hmm. Things happen that we can't control. Now, bounce back story. Amazing. Great. Mm -hmm. We were there three days in and out of the hospital.
1: Nothing ever happened. Right. Like nothing ever. You're a functioning teenager now.
0: Super, super smart. Very well um, coordinated. Almost adult I have now. And nothing but those 3 days or mm-hmm. what affected us. Yeah.
1: I get it. I right? can't wait till this is so much more hindsight that it's like, ah, oh, you know, um I think I'm still kind of in this like shaky ground with myself with those feelings of just like your job is to protect your kids, you mm-hmm. know. Um those first 8 hours at the first hospital, I definitely compartmentalized my feelings. I like couldn't even process. It was I was just like all I had to be there for Veda. Yep. Um I couldn't even like fathom the worst towards the end of the night when we were at the second hospital i definitely started to unravel and like i i my husband was like you got to hold together if you know sometimes i have had um panic attacks where i've like passed out and so he's like if you get admitted like who's gonna you have to be here for beta you know and so he kind of like brought me pulled me back together um and then then doctor came in dr fry he was amazing um (laughs) i um I he just like grabbed me by the shoulders and he's like, this is not your fault. You, is that your doctor? That was the emergency room children's okay. doctor, uh, children's hospital doctor. Um, and he's like, there's nothing you could have done to make this a different thing today. There's You did nothing wrong um, and you need to take a deep breath and not beat yourself up because you're in the right place. She's getting the right care and she's going to come out of this. And finally, it was just like well, he is a doctor. So maybe he's right. You know, see, I love <laughs>
0: doctors like that. I love doctors like that, that know that you're taking this to heart, like you're taking this to heart. And so they're trying to not only take care of your child, which is the whole reason that you're there, mm-hmm. but they know that you're a mess. So mm-hmm. they're also trying to take care of you. Yes. I love doctors like that. Yep. They're
1: not all like that. No, they're not at all. Some of them are just stoic and they don't have that emotion towards you. Yeah. And some of them are just so deeply caring that they do want you to know that you're, it's going to be okay. And, and, I think they know that if you know that, the situation at whole will be a little bit better because you can hold yourself together. The nurses, uh, when I was admitted to the pediatric floor, um, because in the middle of the night, she was like inconsolable and inconsolable. I was becoming inconsolable because I didn't know how to let her, like calm her. Um, so the nurses, she just like came up. She's like, can I just give you a hug? You know, cause she just knew I was just in the yeah. worst place. See? Um, another, when she got her, her CT scan, another nurse was like, oh, you make beautiful babies. You can have another one. I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, please, she like grabbed me by the hands and she said, please don't let your worst day define your best days. And so just like those little bits of things All like the comforting ugh, words yeah. worked, helped me more through this whole situation more than
0: so this is my question uh, for you, because again, with my kids, I was um, hospitalized for 57 days, right? When I was pregnant and I had the most amazing nurses mm-hmm. in Portland. That when I checked out of that hospital, I made sure like David brought flowers for all of them. I had wine for all of them, candy for all of them, like to show my appreciation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So I. If, if I could leave you with anything that I hope that you do something for those nurses, oh, yes. same thing happened when Caden fell. Mm-hmm. Well, when he was dropped, um, those nurses, I made sure to take care of them. And I came back and I brought, you know, muffins and we had this really cool little muffin company in Bend. So I brought a big box of muffins and flowers for all of them to share and things like that, just because I don't think they get the credit That they deserve sometimes and And people just come in and come out of their lives so frequently that, again, when you did see that one nurse, it took her a minute until you had to, like, explain to her, like, Mm -hmm. this is do you not remember this when they're like, oh, yeah. Right. Because they deal with that kind of stuff all day long. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's too many people that go through situations, situations like that, where the parents are in and out of the hospital without any regard Mm-hmm. to the people who took care of their child
1: mm-hmm. right so I definitely um I'm working through some I'm trying to figure out the NICU nurse from the first hospital's name um I emailed a lady that I know trying to just pinpoint who she is because I owe a lot of thanks to her um I would never have been able to go home at night that night and sleep with the condition beta was still in and getting that peace of mind from the other hospital was really ultimately up what was her push um I did that when we had Veda at that hospital I sent flowers to my um labor and delivery nurse because she was just an angel on earth and yeah, I agree with you some of these nurses and doctors don't get that credit um you know they don't always deal with they kind of deal with some shitty parents in situations parents with abuse so it's not just like a accident or anything like that so I want to show them that that what they do changes lives and matters, mm-hmm. and um there definitely will be some things um I know my um in laws uh do a lot of donating to the children's hospital, and they were like, How do we up our donation because this has been huge or- trauma in our lives, and um we just want to make sure that our funds are making sure that these doctors are still doing the good work that they're doing so um yeah. it is important to do those things and, and then that the staff, they they realize
0: they realize the good parents from the bad parents. Oh, yeah. Like, they really, truly, like, they want to help those who want the help. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that just really don't care, not about their children, but about the situation or the environment or whatever, they can tell the difference of that. And I know I think I, I'm almost positive I've talked about it in this podcast, and I try not to repeat myself. But when the boys were born and we were in the NIC unit, because um, they were, again, two months early. So we were in the NIC unit for three weeks. Now, six blocks I lived Mm -hmm. away. I was at the hospital six times a day. I was there for every feeding. Mm -hmm. I was there bringing my family members in because nobody could go and see the babies unless mom or dad was there. Mm -hmm. So I'd bring in my mom if she was in town or if my sister was there or my mother-in-law was still alive at that time. So it's like I'd bring them in on a regular basis. But there was two sets of twins born pretty much the same time my boys were born mine and then this other girl this other girl was really young and she was never at the hospital never and i saw these babies and they were not progressing and they were born before mine and my kids were just surpassing them mm-hmm. because my kids were getting that one on one connection time with me the skin time mm-hmm. with me love cures they like they were there and they were help like Mm -hmm. it was helping them progress when these other two babies were just like nothing like nothing was progressing with them they weren't getting stronger they weren't feeding with bottles yet Mm -hmm. they still had the you know the little tube down their throat Mm -hmm. there was no parent there and I just remember feeling bad for that mom because one she looked like she was a teenager Mm -hmm. and two you know this when you have a baby or you're about to have a baby. Everybody and their mother gives you stuff, mm-hmm. bags of stuff, you know, hand me down clothes and things that they never used or things that they barely used. And I had a plethora of stuff. And so I started bringing things in for those babies because I knew that mom, I could just feel that mom mm-hmm. didn't have anything. She didn't have the, the, the men's to be able to be there every day mm-hmm. for her kids which means that she definitely was not ready mm-hmm. to have these babies home with her. So I tried my best to try and help out that family. <clears throat> and the nurses, they were just like they were blown away by kindness mm-hmm. because they don't see that every single day. They and they're like, why are you doing this? I'm like, because I have more than enough. I have more than enough. And I could tell that this family doesn't. Mm-hmm. So all of these bags of clothes that I have because she had two boys. I had two boys. I had more than enough to give her stuff. I had a whole extra breast pump. I mm-hmm. had like I had so much stuff and I was just bringing bags every single day for this family. Now those bags I did see them sit there for about a week until they went away, which means that mom never even came for an entire week.
1: That's wild. Isn't that crazy? It just breaks my heart. Yeah. But
0: the nurses they see this. They they mm-hmm. and then and they don't understand that not everybody is like you and me. Right. They don't understand that not everybody has this kind soul that Mm -hmm. wants the best for everyone, Mm -hmm. which I truly I want the best for everyone. Every soul that's out there. I want to live a long, healthy, peaceful, happy life Mm -hmm. full of love. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: No matter how much I dislike people or dislike things, I truly want the best for everybody. So they noticed that they do. And I felt like I did them well when I left. You know, I spoiled them as much as I can. I stayed in contact with one nurse that was Part of the Portland hospital when I was on bed rest, I stayed in touch with her for, gosh, months. Mm-hmm. I feel like months after that. Because like,
1: they made such a difference in your life. Mm-hmm. Like you have a connection, you know. Yeah. When we were in the emergency room still before we were admitted to a room, um, you know, there were just kids, sick kids and, you know, parents. And some parents were all alone and had nobody. And I had my in-laws and my husband. And some people just go through different experiences. But at that time, like we were all the same there was no social status. There was no color. There was no religion. We were all there wanting our babies to be better, you know? And so I just, my heart went out to all of them in every different situation. If good, if they were good parents or bad parents, they, we were all there, you know? And so I, the nurses and the doctors, they do see multiple different types of people. And, um, I know that they knew that we were good parents. You know, we, Brad went home and he packed every diaper the hospital gives you those things when you're there but like you know they just knew that we wanted that ultimate health and well or health for our baby and um I'm sure they don't see it all the time with people you know and mm-hmm. more people I wish could be like you to be so graciously giving but not everybody even wants to take it mm-hmm. you know it just is the life unfortunately it is But that's the only thing that you could do for yourself
0: and for Veda Mm -hmm. is to try and teach more love, try and teach her more compassion. Absolutely. How to be the best possible human she could be Mm -hmm. in the long run. Mm -hmm. And it's all a life lesson. You know, it's terrible that you had to go through this. It Mm -hmm. really, I mean, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. But I truly in my heart feel that everything happens for a reason. And what this reason is, I don't quite know yet. Maybe that's your growth together as a couple, right? Maybe as a family. Mm-hmm. Maybe to strive to be the best provider you could possibly be for v- Veda, whatever mm-hmm.
1: that is. Yep. Like I truly
0: feel like things happen for a reason.
1: This was a lesson, and I don't, I don't know why or or what, what like you said, the outcome is. But I learned more about myself. My personal strength, my child's strength and my family's strength together, the three of us, then I didn't I didn't know that was possible that we could all like come, you know, be together and be so strong for each other and see it through Bring her home and work with her every day and see mm-hmm. her strength come back. And so and your friends like truly oh my that God. really kind of
0: picks out like who, you know, is by your side, who are your ride or dies and who's not. Yes,
1: I had we had outpouring support from everybody, you guys and then when i did share our story on on my social media um i it's sad that so many cuz so many moms messaged me um that like my child went through this or they went through similar or my sister's kids went through this um if you need to talk to somebody um just that circle of mine almost became bigger because of that compassion and love so many people showed me that i just didn't even know were reading my posts and they showed mm-hmm. me so much care and affection and Um, you know, between breakfast, lunches and dinners that people brought or just the phone calls, the text messages, the the checking up on Veda. So many people prayed. It was just mind blowing, you know, Mm -hmm. that there's just so many people that have good hearts that care for you out there, you know, and we do. Yep, we really do. Yeah. And I feel it. And so does she. And I truly feel that that gave is giving her her strength back. You know, it is. It's wild. Crazy. Yeah. But every day. Wow, what a way yeah. to end the year. Yeah. This year, like I said, I want health and of course wealth. I just want everything in my circle to grow for everybody. And I just don't want anything bad to happen. And it does make you just squeeze everybody a little tighter, cherish the moments together, because you just know in a blink of an eye it can change.
0: Well, I appreciate you telling your story today. Um, this is one of the main focuses I want for this podcast that I agree. we want for the this Right. To make sure that people are aware that things happen and they're not alone, mm-hmm. that situations come and go out of people's lives, mm-hmm. that some are terrible, some are sad, some are really great. Mm-hmm. But people can relate to that mm-hmm. because things happen,
1: Yep,
0: not just to us, but to others that yep. you don't really realize until someone does listen to a podcast or sees a post on mm-hmm. Facebook. And that truly is what I wanted this podcast to be about is an understanding that we're all in this together, yep, an understanding that we can't control the universe mm-hmm. and that if we share our stories and our lives that people can understand and relate, maybe even get a little compassion mm-hmm. out of you know what we're saying, but i I mean, I'm so grateful that she's doing better and that she's getting stronger every single day, but I'm more grateful that you decided because this was your idea to talk about this mm-hmm. on the podcast i'm more grateful that you're willing to share stories like this so others understand that they are totally. not alone
1: well when you first started this podcast before i even ever came on here i just admired you, how real you were and you're you know i've been a part of your journey for like 10 years now and um like even rehearing your stories and stuff um because i was a part of it then and then re relistening it to it now, like, if it changes my life and I haven't been directly affected with the same things that you have, imagine the people that have been affected with the things that you talk about. And so I just know when I come on here, I want to be as real as I can because mm-hmm. I don't know whose life can relate to mine. But if I'm not real, what am I what am I changing? You know, exactly,
0: exactly. Well, that's what we're trying to do here at 40 Years Freedom. So share our stories. Share the sadness, the scariness, the realness of life. Yep. And, you know, hopefully change perspective on other people's, you know, yep. lives or their whatever they're going through. Maybe they can relate somehow and take something away from we've been through it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've been through the ringer and back. You. Are much younger than me, Not <laughs> but much, still, but... <laughs> but still, like I mean, we have both between the two of us have our share of wild and crazy stories. Oh, I haven't even unpacked the, a lot well, of it, girl. Get ready to <laughs> open up that suitcase because this year is going to be our year. Yeah, uh, I want to say thank you so much for coming in today, yeah. talking, to spending these few minutes with me, and talking about you know the madness of what you just went through. Um, I love you to death. You you are absolutely one of my best friends. And I couldn't be more grateful that you're here with me doing this podcast with me because I truly enjoy it.
1: Thank you. This really is. uh, It's one like an outlet for me. And I look forward to it every single week. And so it's been a real fun journey. And I'm excited to see what 2023 brings for both of us.
0: Both of us. Hopefully lots of riches. (laughs)
1: Lots of riches man? no
0: <laughs> I know it's funny though because of our text earlier yeah. like oh Jen's actually never dating again but <laughs> but I want the best for all of us yes. again I want the best for all of us mostly I want the best for us but yeah. I want the best for everyone out there mm-hmm. but I want to say again thank you thank you Brittany for sharing your story today yep. I'm glad that Veda's journey is progressing in a positive direction Mm -hmm. and I can't wait to see how she is next week. You know, we'll talk about it. We'll kind of chime in on it, how her progression is coming along. But I also want to thank our sponsors, our podcast sponsor, the This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast series. You guys thoroughly believe in us and we appreciate that. And we love doing this. This is Again, my favorite part of my job is doing this podcast. And I feel like again, everything happens for a reason. This job, it might be a crazy job and I put in a ton of hours and I work really hard for things like this, but this to me is payoff. Cool. And hopefully it just keeps continues to grow and we do bigger and better things along the way with it. So, I love it. All right, you guys, thank you for listening. If you guys have any stories you want to share, if you want to send Brittany some love, you could reach us on Instagram 40 years to Farida Brittany. Is Brittany K. (laughs) Yep, at Brittany K. underscore Reno. At Brittany K. underscore Reno. I am our badass mom on Instagram. We want to hear your stories. You know what was the scariest moment of your child's upbringing? That you, you know, everybody has a story. So we want to hear your stories. We want to hear all about it. We'll talk
1: about them and unpack those too. Because absolutely, people have things.
0: Everybody has things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If we didn't, we'd be a very boring world. (laughs) <laughs> so thank you guys for listening we appreciate all of your listeners and we're actually handing out some swag tonight i'm excited about that to our little circle we're doing a little kind of after the holidays dinner celebration tonight and everybody's getting sweatshirts and t-shirts and if you want to get yours you can find them on the all of our sweatshirts and t-shirts are on there hopefully we get some hats soon but hey I'm sporting my sweatshirt today. I wear and mine all the time. I know. I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> Even Chai was like, there's stains on my sweatshirt. I know, because like, I too. wear it three days a
1: week. So.
0: <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. That
1: sounds good.